G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. You say, well, Pastor Jeff, how can I make this power a reality in my life where I can transform culture? Here's the answer we learn. You cannot receive the awakening power of the Holy Spirit unless you believe the claims of Jesus Christ are objectively true. Say, wait a minute, what? You must believe that what Jesus did, said, and taught is objectively true for everyone, not just you. Today. 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 With Jeff Vines. We are taking the gospel to the world. Pastor, apologist, and Bible teacher. One truth that will be delivered in love and compassion, connecting every one person to all that God has promised them. You make me Today. Today. Today with Jeff Vines. Hello and welcome to Today with Jeff Vines. My name is Bill. Thanks for joining us. Today we continue Pastor Jeff's message about Christianity and the influence it has had over our world. In this series from Acts, we're looking at the passion of early Christians, the powerful message of the gospel, the good news of Jesus, and the coming of the Holy Spirit. Let's hear from Pastor Jeff now as he continues in Acts chapter 1. The first Christians of the first great awakening understood that the essence of Christianity is about what Christ has done for you. He suffers, he dies, he returns so that you will know, hey, if I came back from the dead, you can trust what I said to be true. Which is why in Acts 1, Luke writes, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up. Now, Luke is trying to tell us something here, isn't he? What's he trying to tell us? You notice that word began? The founder of every other religion has already done everything he or she's going to do. They've already said everything they're going to say, done everything they're going to do because they're dead. Luke says, Jesus is alive. And oh man, He's just begun to do what he's going to do because part of the essence of original Christianity is that not only did Jesus die, not only did he rise from the dead, but he ascended. He was taken up into heaven and he's seated at the right hand of the Father, which means this, Jesus goes up not to get away from us, but to continue what he started through us. That's why he told the disciples in John 16, he said, I know you don't want me to go away. I know you're afraid of that, but if I don't go away, I can't send to you the paracletos, the comforter, the Holy Spirit. And then in John 14, he looked at his disciples and said, guys, you think I've done some pretty cool things while I've been here? You're going to do greater things than these. Wow. What does he mean? When Jesus was on earth, he could only do and teach through one body. 
But if the Spirit comes, now he can work through all of us, millions of people who will call on the name of God all at the same time. He's present through us. Jesus Christ is present in us, and his power is available to radiate through us. The essence, folks, of Christianity is that he faced a nameless terror for us, and now he works from heaven through us. The ascension does not mean that Jesus is not here. It means that Jesus is here all over. It does not mean that Jesus is no longer present. It means that he is present everywhere. And if Jesus is really Emmanuel, God with us, then that means he's not limited to time or space, something that he himself created, which means that he can be everywhere in us at the same time. This is the power. This is where the power to change culture comes from. It's the Holy Spirit in you. Now, wait a second. Some of you are going to ask. Do all Christians have such power? Yes and no. Yes, all real authentic Christians do. No, not everyone who calls themselves Christians does. That's why there's some pretty horrible things that happen in the name of Jesus. Really? You blow up an abortion clinic? Let me get this straight. You kill people to protest against the killing of people. You hold up a sign, you say, God hates gays? Really? That, that, that's how you're going to reach and transform culture? By separating yourself and somehow thinking you're just better than everybody? How does that work now? The early Christians, man, they had love and compassion for everybody. And they believed that God would work his power and transformation through us to them. You say, well, Pastor Jeff, how can I make this power a reality in my life where I can transform culture? And here's the answer we learn. You cannot receive the awakening power of the Holy Spirit unless you believe the claims of Jesus Christ are objectively true. You say, wait a minute, what? You must believe that what Jesus did, said, and taught is objectively true for everyone, not just you. If he rose from the dead to put away any doubt in your mind who he truly is and was, then you can trust him. And what did he say? In verse 8 of this ancient text, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, what does the Bible say? Our calling is we're supposed to take this gospel where? Everywhere. Every people group, every culture, every tradition, every language. Christianity is not like Buddhism. It is not primarily an Eastern religion. It is not like Hinduism. It is not primarily an Indian religion. It is not like Islam. It is not primarily an Arabic religion. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody comes to the Father except through me. And if he rose from the dead to validate that you can trust him, then that means that Christianity, that the gospel, the transformational power of the Spirit is for every person on this planet, in every country, every race, every creed, every color, every birthplace. Jesus says this is true for everyone. Now, here's the problem. Here's what people tell me. You know what? I'll give your Jesus a try and see if he works for me. What does that even mean? I had a neighbor in New Zealand. Let me get back to him. I shared my faith about three hours with him. And about, I don't know, a couple of minutes after that, he looked at me and put his arm around me and said, hey, you know what, Pat, Jeff, if that works for you, great. What does he mean? If that's what makes you happy, fantastic. Let me get this straight. If I'm made happy by believing a lie, you're good with that. That's called insanity. It's not about what makes you feel happy or good. It's about what is true. Because the reality is, can I just be honest? Christianity's not always going to make you happy. When you find out that Jesus wants you to be a truth teller and a person of integrity, and you discover that if you do that, your boss is going to fire you, Christianity doesn't work for you that day. 
<laughs> it's not about what works. It's about what is true. And Christianity, young people, seldom works for you on Friday night, does it? If Jesus truly is the Son of God who came to earth and he really ascended to the Father and he's going to return, which he says in verse 11, men of Galilee, why do you stand there looking or here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you've seen him go into heaven. If what Jesus said about himself and the nature of the universe is true, of course Christianity will work for you. How? Because that means your ultimate hope is in what is yet to come. That death has been defeated and one day the trees are going to dance and sorrow becomes only peripheral in your life. Joy becomes central because you know you're going to win in the end. If Jesus did really rise from the dead in time and space, then there indeed is a power available to you. Now stay with me. I know you don't like this analogy. We're rounding third. (laughs) What about this power? Verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Is it possible to have a general subscription to Christianity and not have power? Is it possible to give intellectual assent to the truths of Christianity and not have power? In fact, there are many theologians who believe that 2 Timothy 3 is written for us. But mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. In other words, you look like you're a good dude, but down deep inside, you love yourself. You love money more than you love the kingdom of God. You're boastful. You're proud. You are lovers of pleasure. That is the priority of your life, to seek your next happiness fix. And there's no power in you. Because a lot of us, if we're honest, you want one foot in each world. You're suspicious that maybe this Jesus thing is true, and you hope that it's true, and you think maybe he did rise from the dead, and maybe there is a heaven, but you're not totally sure. So just in case you keep one foot in the other part of the world, just to make sure you didn't miss anything if this all turns out to be a farce in the end, which means... The truth about who Jesus is has never made it all the way down. And if that's you, James says, there's no power in you. You'll be tossed on the winds and the waves. Pastor Jeff, how do I get this power? All through the book of Acts, you don't find people, please God, give me the power. Give me the, no, no. <laughs> Romans 1.17, Paul says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God. Listen carefully. This is that climactic point in the sermon that I can't lose you. The truth about Jesus Christ, the death, the resurrection, and the ascension, where he goes away, not to leave us, but now to release his power and glory through us into the world, a transformed culture, that in itself does not result in power. It does not lead to power. It does not have power. It is the power. Truth is the power. That means if you don't have that power in your life, you have not fully yet grasped the truth and taken it in. You're still religious. You may be religious. You may even be here right now, but you've not taken it in. You've not affirmed with your heart, soul, and mind and strength that Jesus died for your sins and he's the only way to God. And the same Jesus ascended into heaven not to leave you, but to work through you. When that becomes a reality, revivals in the past, the great awakenings did not happen by people praying for power. What they prayed for was truth and they prayed 
and they contemplated and they contemplated until it exploded in their conscience and the transformation was based on what they now knew about God. Griffith Jones says, the determining factor in your relationship with Christ is not in your past, but his past. You can be made holy and righteous in God's sight by grace alone, through faith alone, because of Christ alone. When you truly realize this, listen now, when you truly take this on board, I mean, when it becomes deep, deep inside, you will change the way you're living. You can't help it. And when the masses change the way they're living, culture's impacted. Listen, please. In Christ, when the truth penetrates and you truly get the gospel, you will begin to live as though there is nothing you can't overcome. Because it's no longer you who live, it's Christ who lives in you. And you won't listen to the naysayers. And you won't listen to people who tell you, you can't do it. And the reason they do that is because they don't want you to do it. Because if you do it, it makes them look bad. Do you understand that? You will surround yourself with people and you will know, man, through Christ, I can do all things. Christ ascended so that his power and glory might come in me, through me, to the world to transform not only my life, but the culture. Which means that if Christ is living in me, then if there's something dead in me, he'll cause it to rise up. Worry will be defeated because you've seen the end of the tape. It's not something you're hoping for. You know it's coming. Even sickness will take on new meaning. That's why Jesus said to Martha and Mary, this sickness will not end in death. It is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. You know, let me, let me tell you, pre-anxiety disorder for me, Here's my attitude walking out on the stage every weekend. This is pre-anxiety disorder. Man, I've studied hard. Man, I hope I can deliver. Man, I hope I say the right things. I hope I don't confuse my lines. And I hope everybody likes me so they'll come back. And I hope our church gets bigger and bigger so I can tell all my friends how big our church is. Now, do you know why I went through two and a half years of anxiety disorder? Now, here's me post-anxiety disorder, okay? This has absolutely nothing to do with me. I've studied as much as I can, and I'll deliver it as best I can. But if it doesn't touch you, that's not my problem. That's his problem. If it's, if it's true that I am a tool of God and he uses me for his power and transformation, well, God, I'll, I'll do the best. I'm not going to be lazy. I'm going to study, but it ain't up to me. Do you know how freeing that is? Do you know how much fun I have preaching now? Yeah, Jeff, we've noticed you're going longer and longer. <laughs> But don't, don't miss the message here. Don't miss it. If I walk out here on this stage and I'm thinking, man, I hope I can deliver. I hope, man, I hope I say the right things. Then I have forgotten the ascension. When you are speaking to your one life and you're thinking to yourself, man, I hope I don't mess this up. I hope I say the right words. You have forgotten the ascension. When you're serving at a care center, when you're doing or saying anything as an ambassador of Jesus and you think it's up to you and you think, man, now I'm not saying you can't read and you study, but man, once you're there, once you're there, if you think, man, I got to say everything exactly right. Don't you think God can use whatever words you say? He used an ass, sorry, a donkey in Numbers 11. If he used a donkey, he can use you, can he? You know that story? If he used a donkey, he can use you. You know, I've gotten to the point now when I travel, I don't rent a car anymore. It saves money. I just Uber everywhere. I love Uber. I Uber everywhere because it forces someone to be trapped in a car with me for... <laughs> 
as long as the journey is. Most of them want the money. And so I, I, I just know that, uh, see, when you believe in the ascension, when you, when you believe that Christ is there working through me, no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me, then I know that when I push that Uber, God makes the car that he wants to come to me and pick me up. Oh, I, I believe that. Look, I've had too many uncanny conversations. See, if he knows I'm open to that, now, if, if he knows you don't want to talk to anybody, he ain't going to send them to you. But if he knows, man, this is the role of my life. So every time I travel, this last time when I was speaking at Indiana University, I had to get an Uber all the way from the hotel. They put me near the airport and it's about 40 minutes. So I'm going to get somebody for 40 minutes. So I get in the car, this guy, and 10 minutes into the conversation, he says, what do you do? I say, I'm a pastor. Do you know what he says? Oh, so you think I'm going to hell. <laughs> and I'm thinking, what, did I get picked up by a serial killer? Or what, what? And I said, well, what do you mean? He said, well, I'm gay and I have a gay lover. And I said, I said you know, God, please, nothing wrong with breathing a little prayer. Please help me to speak to this guy in a way that he would know that one, I know that his emotions and feelings are real. Two, that I love him and God loves him. Would you ha- whatever I say, would you help me to do that? And we had a long conversation and we talked about a lot of things. And you know, for me, I'm going to stand on truth, but you can do it in such a way that transforms people. And you know, when he let me out at the cafe, before I got out of the car, he said, Jeff, would you pray for me? And I'm telling you, The essence of Christianity is that Jesus continues to do and to teach through us. Now, if you understand that, you will give up your small ambitions because you will know you have a power in you that's working. You'll repent of your small expectations. You'll stop looking at your bad habits as things you could never expect to get over. You'll say, some people say this, you know, I I can't help it. I'm just wired like this. Yeah but it's bad wiring. (laughs) And Jesus gutted the house and rewired the whole thing, man. He opened you up and saw a fire hazard. (laughs) And he's reshaped and rewired you. And if you really knew that and you believe that, you would stop giving in to that thing that's destroying you. And how dare you look at a mountain and say that it cannot be moved because Christ has ascended and he's in you and working his power through you. And the original genius and essence of the first great awakening was the people believed that because of what Christ has done, God welcomes us, embraces us, and then pours into our lives his own power and glory. Do you have a power like that in your life? Has there been a revolution like that in your life? If you say no, then I'm going to say to you, well, I know you tell me that you understand the truth, but I don't believe you. There's a woman I read about this past week who was trying to follow Christ as best she could, and then she started hearing from him through the Spirit of God that she should go to this very difficult nation, and she didn't want to go. Don't want to go there. She kept fighting, fighting, and then she decided to to go to church. She went to a communion service, and during the communion service, the truth exploded. And she said, I suddenly realized that if Jesus Christ had done all of this for me, then he could ask me to live the rest of my life in a cardboard box on the streets of Calcutta, and it would be nothing compared to what he has done for me and what he has promised to give me. Why on earth am I worried? What happened? The truth of what Jesus has done for her 
and is doing for her and will ultimately do for her became real. The reality and truth of the gospel then became the power to give her life away to others. Do you see how this changes the world? But see, if you're still religious, you're not going to give your life away. See, Jeff, I have such a hard time serving or having compassion for others. There's a reason. The power of the Spirit is just not working in you. If you truly see the truth of Christ, you will understand the problem is not society. The problem is with the church. It's with you and me. While we're shouting to the world that we're saved by grace, they're saying, well, can you, do you mind living like you are? If not, for, for my sake? I did not say that you would be perfect. I just said that the posture of your life, the posture of your life will be totally different when you get the truth of the gospel and it makes its way into you. Now, I want to finish with this because it brings everything together now. In 1859, there was a major revival in Northern Ireland and most of the prostitutes in the cities of Northern Ireland were converted. And a reporter sat down with one of the prostitutes and said, why are all you girls coming to church? She responded this way. Listen, number one, because business completely fell off during the revival. (laughs) Second, for the first time in our lives, Christians are treating us with kindness and respect. What? What's going on there? The irreligious people were giving those girls business, so they were exploiting them, but the religious people were treating them with contempt and spitting on them, and they were exploiting them as well. What you don't need is more religion. Do you think if you would have made people in Northern Ireland more religious, they would have converted the prostitutes? No way. Religion's the problem. It says, I'm good, what's wrong with you? Religion just leads to more spitting. Christianity leads to more what? Grace and mercy and kindness. Reaching out to those who are lost, understanding amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Me. What changed those women's lives was not that people got more religious. What they got was the gospel, truth and power. Irreligious did not have God's law, so that's why they went to the prostitutes, but the religious people did not have God's love. That's why they separated and felt superior to them. They did not see themselves as sinners because once you get the gospel in that you are a filthy, rotten, stinking sinner and God loves you and forgave you anyway, and when you really get that and your eternity is secure, you're going to live differently, man. You're going to live differently. And that's why... There's no pressure on me anymore. Nah, I give you Jesus. What you do with him is up to you. But if he truly changes you, I'll see it in your lives. And so the Bible says, but you will receive the power of the Holy Spirit when he comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Would you close your eyes just a second? Close your eyes, bow your head, and I want want you to do something for me. I want you to pray. And the first thing I want you to pray is say, God, God, help me to see the essence of the gospel in a way I never have before. And then would you pray, God, pour out your spirit on me. And this next one is a hard one. God, 
If I've been religious, but not Christian, I repent and ask you to change me. God, if I've been religious, but not Christian, I repent. And I ask you, I beg you to change me. And if you want that relationship with Christ, one of salvation and transformation, if that's what you want and you're ready for that, then echo this prayer. Pray it silently. This is between you and God. I'm just going to lead you here. Pray these words. Father, I know that you love me because you sent your son to die for me. And now I ask you to forgive me of my sins through his blood and change my heart and make me whole. You've been listening to Today with Jeff Vines. Next time, we'll bring you a new message from Pastor Jeff. You can listen to more messages like this. Just search for Today with Jeff Vines wherever you get your podcasts. You make me Today. 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 Today with Jeff Fines. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.